Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun, for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand Rangers podcast. This is your extra show uh, throughout the week as we will preview the upcoming weekend's game. However, um, I'm most excited this week by two things. The first thing is that we have returned to the European stage following a 4-3 win uh, against Royal Antwerp in Belgium last night. But the more exciting reason is because of my guest today and that is the ever-wonderful... Just the the greatest guy I I know, Mr James Tessie. Tess, how are you? How is life in Barbados? Mate, I'm, I'm I'm all the better for that global introduction. Thank you very much. Yes, I'm I'm fine. Thank you. Uh, everything going well down south. Everything okay? You keeping safe and safe and secure? Yeah, trying to, mate. Just just biding my time until uh, all this foolishness starts getting lifted and we can start getting back to normality. But yeah, uh, obviously the, the the Rangers are keeping me going at the moment. There's never a dull moment with them, is there? Well, there certainly wasn't in the game that took place last night which lasted for about three and a half hours um, as uh, the referee decided that uh, we would probably just play the entire 90 minutes in, in one sitting or so we kind of thought as we were going straight into our kind of sixth minute of injury time in the first half. We'll get into all of that as well but Tess, first of all I just want to say that it's, it's good for us to be able to try and get back into uh, into the Europa League and stuff. I think it, it breaks up a little bit of what's felt like some hiatus between games at the moment because we've been a little bit week to week, which is odd when you consider how crazy our schedule was in the run up to, to, to the new year and stuff and across December and what have you. Um, but great to be able to try and get into, back into the European uh, football again. Uh, the last 32 at the moment, and I think you know when you go back to way back when, when the draw was made, I was quite comfortable that we would have... Um, more in a locker than Royal Antwerp. I don't want to sound, you know, overconfident or cocky and say, you know, that I felt that we would definitely beat them um, because I don't believe that you, you perform at this level unless you do have something about you. But the, when the draw was made, I, you know, I was I was pretty pleased. Last night, testing the kind of build-up to it and stuff, were you, how were you feeling about it? Were you feeling like this was an opportunity for us to be able to try and, and get back out to play a bit more expressive football or had you had any concerns about maybe where some of our performances have been recently? Well, I thought it'd be a really high-scoring game, mired with controversy and injuries for key Rangers players, so I was quite satisfied with the outcome. But um, no, mate, I, I, I was expecting maybe sneak a 1-0, happy with a draw, get them back to Ibrox, OK. It ain't the same as when he got... ...fans really gearing it some, but get them back to Ibrox, see the job, see the job through into the last 16... So the the fair that was um, on on show last night for me was absolutely staggering. I don't, I don't think I don't think anybody in the wildest dreams because we could have predicted how it could have gone. There, there were highs, there were lows, there were moments of absolute brilliance. There, there were moments of tragedy. You know, Shakespeare himself couldn't have written a better script. It was what what, what I was expecting, mate, and what got served up last night are two very very different things. 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, listen, let's let's kind of do a kind of bit of a breakdown of it and stuff as well. I thought that in, in the kind of opening phases of the game, we 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 penetrated quite well. I thought that we had some some decent opportunities. Uh, Antwerp, I thought, could pass the ball, but I thought they're quite a physical team. I will say, in terms of where we were, and uh, and and could put in a couple of kind of decent challenges. The first real kind of key point of interest for us, however, uh, Tess, was when uh, James Tavernier um, was looking to be able to try and come out and block a tackle. One of those kind of tackles, for anyone who's ever played football, will know that when you're kind of going into it, it's a little bit of a kind of 50-50. You're both intent on getting the ball. You have to get into these challenges with the intent of winning it because if you hold anything back, the likelihood is that you're going to get injured. I think Tav took a bit of a kind of knock and then... Went down to be able to try and get treatment, uh, continued playing on, went down again. And then I think at that point, several of us were kind of saying to us, you know, it, it kind of felt a bit reminiscent of Stephen Naismith, you know, trying to play through a, quite an obvious knock. I, I, I would like to kind of sit somewhere in the middle where I would say, you know, Tav knows his body, knows the injury, knows the knock. If, he's, if he feels that he can get through it, he absolutely will because he's been a stalwart on our side in terms of, um, you know, consecutive games that he's been able to to try and play very, very rarely uh, misses out. Um, but a huge blow, I think, when he went off just before the half-hour mark and uh, your immediate thought process is straight to had Nathan Patterson not had a real lapse in judgment, he'd be coming on the park right now. Well, if, if we go back to the start, matey, I think when, when, the, when they named the teams, I think we all, we're all a bit surprised because we were expecting the the Kamara-Jack Davis axis. And I wouldn't say a conservative performance, but certainly not with the attacking intent that the, the line-up had, had us lead to believe we were about to see and obviously what we ultimately did see. Tav, oh, mate, oh, it's heartbreaking because when, as soon as he did it and he reacted like he did, you knew, I knew, and everybody knew that there was a serious problem. Tav is he's a model. No matter what you can say about him, his performances this season, his leadership, everything else, he's a model professional. The way that he conducts his business, the way he looks after himself and his body, the way he lives his life, he's, he's a constant professional. He never gets injured. He's always, always there, always ready. So when he's gone down like that, you know it's something serious. Now, obviously, Stephen Naismith is, is the one that really comes to mind. Uh, from my own experience, I can think of remember George Thorne doing that at Derby County, being out for eighteen months, just some something seemingly innocuous. It's when that kind of thing happens, it never looks good. Um, he's tried to play on, which I suppose is understandable because he's never had a serious knee injury before, so he doesn't really know what it feels like. But you know, as soon as he sat down again, then tried again, then sat, you know, you know that something's really badly wrong. And when the swelling goes down and we get the, the scan results back up. Personally, and you know, I'm, I'm, I've got no medical experience whatsoever, but I've been watching football long enough to know that you know when somebody has that kind of reaction, if it's like a knee injury, then it's you know you t- you're talking months out, not weeks. And it, it it honestly it honestly breaks my heart that the day that we are confirmed champions, Tav won't be captain in that side. He won't be joining in the celebrations. I don't even think he'll be in the ground if if he's got to exit the bubble in order to get medical treatment. Uh, I really, really, really hope that when we lift the trophy, he's allowed to be there to lift that trophy because he's led us. There's so many times this season, he's, I won't say in the manner that Gerard did when he, when he single-handedly drove Liverpool on, but there are so many times this, let alone what he's done in, in past years. Let's look at this season. There are so many times that Tav has just shown a moment of brilliance and inspiration and just sparked the team into life, be it a, a goal, a penalty under pressure, anything. You know, his contribution this season has been absolutely magnificent. Um, like I say, the, the day that that's all day we confirmed champions. Obviously, hopefully that's on the pitch rather than, you know, as a result of somebody else um, not taking the points. It's very sad he won't be able to join in those celebrations. And like I say, I really, I hope that, he is allowed to, to come on and lift the trophy and he's not excluded because of the social bubble because he really, really deserves it, mate. And like I say, you are, I think you are looking at months rather than weeks with him. And hopefully I'm talking out my, out my backside and he has the scan and everything's fine and he's back in time for the old firm next month. But like I say, I've been watching football as long as I've been watching it and seeing players do that before. You know, I think if he's back for, for the start of next season, I think he'll be doing well. So, obviously, I want to pass on my best wishes to the captain. Uh, like I say, I'm heartbroken that he's not going to be there 
on the day we win the league. And I just really, really hope that the day we lift the trophy, he's allowed to come back and be part of those celebrations because God knows the man deserves it. Yeah, I, I, I really, really cannot see uh, any kind of circumstance where that's not that not that's not possible. And I think that listen, let's be honest. If we have to be able to reintegrate him back into the bubble and wait to be able to try and give him the trophy presentation, I'd be very, very comfortable with that because, as you say, um, there's very few at the club who who deserve to lift it more than him. Um, the, the, getting back to the game uh, in terms of 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 kind of the next kind of. Real kind of uh, incident point was uh, Rangers breaking the deadlock, which was a, a wonderful goal by Joe Rebo. A complete hash of a of a uh, recovery from the goalkeeper who was looking to be able to try and come out and uh, and stop Kamar Roof from from being able to try and come through and goal. Spills it, looks very very bad. Alfredo Morelos very quick in there over the over the close distance, and the ball broke to Joe Rebo who finished it um, from pro about thirty five out. It was a, a great goal, Tess, in terms of being able just to place it nicely, give it some good pace as well to make sure it was kind of zipped back in. Um, a deserving lead, I felt, at that kind of time because we had chapped in the door a couple of times. Um, Kamal Roof, I think, not his live list, and we'll come back to him in just a moment. Um, but yeah, I think at that point, it, it, it felt right to us to be able to, to take the lead. Yes, mate. We, we, I think... At that point in the match, we would we we had definitely been the better team with the balance of play. Uh, the players were a bit shell shocked after what had happened to the captain because that, like I said before, that never happens to our captain, never happens to Tav. So they, I think they did well to recover from the initial shock of that to get a foot or back in the game, get on top. The goal itself, I mean, their, their keeper, I mean, you know, they, they used to call David James Clamity James back in the nineties at Liverpool. I can't ever remember him being as. As, as, as foolish as that fella last night. Um, yeah, the, the the keepers just made an absolute hash of it. Great touch by Alfie to set up um, Aribo. I mean, Alfie, for me, had one of his best games in a Rangers shirt last night. I thought it was a mature performance. I thought it was absolutely superb. And that, you know, the, 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 the ball to Aribo for the first goal was brilliant. We know Aribo has got all the skills in his locker. But to show the control, I mean, he, he could have absolutely smashed that ball. It could have gone over, hit a defender, but he hit it in pretty much the only place he could hit it and it was going to go in. Because anywhere else, the keeper's got a chance of getting back. There are bodies in the way, but he had the he had the presence of mind in that split second to know exactly where he had to hit it, the exact amount of power, absolutely fantastic technique. And I don't think anybody could argue at that point that Rangers deserve to be in the lead. No, no. And I think that for most people, um, you would have said that taking a lead at 39 minutes takes you in at half-time um, with a one-goal lead and it uh, looks fairly straightforward. Um, not so much, it would appear, Tess, because um, with uh, just one minute before injury time, Borna Barisic is booked for a foul, which I thought I thought it was a very, very strong yellow card there. I didn't really think there was that much in it that deserved a caution. However, uh, the referee was about to open up probably his own levels of, of, of calamity proceedings, probably worse than the goalkeeper, actually, uh, where from the resultant free kick. Uh, I've got to be honest, Tess, I think that this is the, the combination of a very good header and very poor defending, as the aforementioned Borna Barisic probably should have stayed uh, with his with his man uh, Avenatti and a, a great header which which you know McGregor has no chance to do anything with it's right on uh, the kind of the corner by the by the stanchion um, McGregor's rooted to his spot there's nothing else that he can kind of come out the back of that and then as a result of that we're now at one all um, at half time we've got six minutes injury time to play uh, due to some injuries not just halves but also the keepers as well. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't. I mean, I, what was your kind of feeling when you saw it? Was it bad defending or just a great goal? I think that it was a combination of both. Um, Borna was obviously plugging his new book, how not to defend at free kicks. Uh, he's let his man get away from him, which is criminal. You know, you can't be doing that. You've got to stay switched on, especially at this level in Europe, because every every team you play are quality. Every player you come up against is, a, is quality. You know, you've got to be switched on. Uh, so he's let his man get away from him. And then it's a great header. He can't get away from it. The fact is, he shouldn't have had the time or the space to make that header. But once he's made it, again, he showed great technique. He's put it in pretty much the only place where it's going to result in a goal because anywhere else and McGregor would have gone for it. But it's going over his head. He, he, he knows what's happening. It's either going wide or it's going in. There's nothing he can do about it. 
So you'd say that the marking was poor. It's a goal we shouldn't have conceded. Fair play to their chap for the technique and, you know, being able to execute it properly. But again, it's very disappointing because our defence has been our strong point this season. Perhaps not in Europe, but domestically, certainly, our, our defence has been a strong point this season. And the way that Barisic... I say Barisic, you know, the, the, the way that we collectively switched off and let the man get the space. It's, it, you know, we, we can't be doing that kind of thing again. Certainly not if we want to progress in this competition. Um, there was a, the, the kind of next point that then happened as well, Tess, because as I say, we're about uh, three or four minutes into the six minutes of injury time. Um, and Kamar Roof now has to go off because uh, it looked to, to, to me in, in this morning's press conference, I think the manager can alluded to this as well, that it was uh, potentially a, a an extension, I suppose you could call it, of an existing injury that was giving him um, some problems a few weeks ago. It looks like it could have aggravated again um, and, and Roof had to go off. Um, interesting point, and this is why I wanted to to, to kind of discuss the this kind of team lineup with you as well. This felt a little bit like we had purposely kept Hadji and Kent off because we get, we put in a, a forward three, which I think, if I'm being a little bit kind of confident in saying this, we could have turned around and said that those three would, would cause problems. Um, Roof, I think, as I say, if he's still carrying, I don't know if he was carrying a bit of a knock or if it just aggravated itself or what, or what happened within that space, um, was likely going to probably not play the full 90 anyway. I think, Tess, that the manager's plan was to stick with that front three, wait for Anderlecht to probably tire, whether that was going to be at half-time or 60 minutes or whatever, but give them a fair amount of time in, in, in part of the game. Then bring on Hadji and Kent, maybe even potentially Scott Wright, I don't know. But to bring on those players to then start to have a run at them when they've already, as I say, played 45 minutes or an hour, that plan was kind of put into into overdrive because at this point, Ryan Kent had to come on at this stage now to replace Kamar Roof. Um, our hope is that, again, that's not going to be a, a serious aggravation. Um, he's obviously suspended domestically, but... Um, just a sore one, I think, for Roof and, and something that we were worried about when he came up was he did have a bit of a history with, with injuries. We've got a lot of contribution out of him this season. He's done very, very well. Uh, but my hope is, as you say, that he gets some proper recovery time for this. I didn't think Roof looked at the races all much. Um, there, there were there were quite a few times that Rangers put in a long diagonal ball, which completely bamboos with their defence and defenders. Uh and it was basically left, left to Roof to control it or to do something. And he just seemed off the pace now. He's only, he only missed one match through his suspension, so you can't really put it on a lack of match sharpness. So I wonder if he's got into this game carrying something and then it's fell up later on. Because, again, he's, what, what one of the things that we love about him and he's consistently shown for us this season is his movement. He's very lively. He, he's, all, he's got a very good football in brain as well, so he knows where he needs to be and he just finds a way to get there. Last night, he wasn't doing that. I didn't particularly notice him moving awkwardly, but it was noticeable that he wasn't at pace with what was going on around him. So, like I say, I wonder if he's carried an injury or if he's thought he can play through it or whatever. It, it, it just seems quite strange to me. And obviously, when he's gone off, you look at his face as going off and you, you know that it's bad. It's not a grimace of pain, as such, it's more like um, a, a, a look of like exasperation. You know what I mean? A, a look of oh, here we go again. So I think he knows that it, what he's doing isn't particularly good. Um, having already lost Tav, it was another hammer blow for the team. Which in the short term we didn't really cope well. But you know, by the end of the match, we certainly would certainly adapted to, and we, we'd, we'd done well to bounce back from. Um, again, you, you, I wouldn't want to see us rushing back because we've got Itton and Defoe, Alfie's suspension's over. We've got uh, Scott Wright, obviously Hadji, Kent. We've got good options up front. So I wouldn't want to see us rushing back because I think it's more important that he gets a full pre-season before next season than it is that he finishes this one. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be out for the rest of the, for the remaining 10 games or however many is left. Uh, I think it's eight, eight in the league, but at least one in Europe. So, yeah, at least 10 games. Um, I'm not saying he's going to miss them, but if it's a choice of showing him back into the team or just letting him get the rest he needs for a full pre-season, I would choose the latter. Yeah, yeah. I've, got to, I've got to agree with that totally, because I think that, as you say, we do have options. 
uh, in terms of how we've, we've been able to try and recruit and bring in guys like Scott Wright as well to supplement that 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 kind of forward line as well. So, yeah, I, I don't see the point in, in being able to try and rush him back too early and then potentially aggravate it. Well, you'd think that was it for the first half, but you'd be mistaken because um, obviously as part of the... Uh, the latter stages of the Europa League, for whatever reason, I'll never understand, but they don't have them in the group stages, the initial group stages. Um, last 32, VAR comes into play. Um, and probably a very contentious decision for me, uh, Tess, when um, on the eighth minute of our six minutes of injury time, um, Stephen Davis uh, is caught to have, have fouled Antwerp player uh, and apparently is awarded... <laughs> I'm a bit on the fence with this one as well, if I'm being honest. I think it was a very, very poor decision. But then at the same point, I think that there's contact in his foot. I think if you're going to be able to try and see where that is with the extra eyes and bar and everything else as well, um, it looks bad when you see the contact. Um, but I, I don't know if this is a, this is going to be the, the kind of benefit of VAR or not. My big thing whenever I put myself into these situations is if I saw that for our team, would I be expecting a penalty? And as a part of me, I think, yeah, I probably would. That being said, uh, I think it's actually quite close to a dive. I really, do, I really, really do. He makes the absolute most out of the contact, and I don't know if that just makes, you know, I, I, I don't know if that just makes him a good simulator. I suppose is probably the best way I could put it. But one that Jurgen Klinsmann would have been proud of, I think. Mate, I wouldn't even call it a good simulation. It was ridiculous. Um, but, when, <laughs> but he's got the, he's got the decision. The referee's bought it. Oh, he's, yeah, he's, he's got the decision, mate. You know, he, he, they got what they wanted in the end. But if you look at the contact from Davis and then the manner in which he fell, there's absolutely no correlation between the two whatsoever. If he'd have fallen forward or grabbed his ankle or whatever, then he could have said, fair enough. But the fact he sort of like pirouetted and gone to the side, I mean, all he did was stand on his Achilles, you know. It's... um. I, th- I thought it was a, a very strange reaction, but, you know, it's easy to say that the referee got conned and VAR, it's a sham and this, that and other. The fact is that Davis made contact with their player in the box. Now, we can all agree, I think, that their player made the most of it, but it's also a fact that Davis made contact. And if you make contact with an opposition player in the box, you're risking a penalty. So, grudgingly, I'll say, yes, it, it probably should have been. It, it It was the softest of soft, and I think the reaction of their player was a disgrace. You know, there's no there's no way of dressing it up. It, it, it was ridiculous, and, you you know, I don't, certainly don't like to see that when I watch my football. But the bottom line is, Davis made contact with him in the box, and when you do that, you're always liable to give away a foul, and obviously in the box, but that foul is usually a penalty. Um, so, as I say, just uh, just about two hours after the first half started, it finished. Uh, we get in, I think, uh, probably at this point, Tess, you know, as I say, it's all cliche, the manager's team talks totally changed its head, which it absolutely had to, given the way how the last few minutes had, had, had developed. But I felt that we, we, we needed that anyway. I felt that we needed a little bit of a kind of surge from half-time and then been able to go into the second half and, and kind of start pretty brightly. And, and we did, because just before the hour... Um, uh, Rangers were then awarded their own penalty at this point and, and up steps Borna Barisic um, Rangers social media put this out as a perfect penalty and I suppose that people could argue well if he scores a penalty it's a perfect penalty um, we were all kind of thinking who would take the penalties obviously with, with the captain being off the park and and I will say Borna and we're going to come back to him in this anyway but Borna did step forward he, you know he's taken it he, he, he has been able to try and get it by the keeper but um, this was where people were talking about this goalkeeper saving penalties from Ronaldo and all the rest of it, whereas I didn't I didn't see too much of that. But he wasn't too far away from the pen, but great for Borna to step up and convert it regardless because we, we know we needed it, I think is probably the best way I could put it. I thought he was going to bottle it, mate. Um, when they showed his face right before he struck it, he looked terrified. And I thought, that's, that's not a good look. And the actual penalty itself... Like you say, any any penalty that goes in, you can say, yeah, it's perfect because the aim is to score a goal. And if you score the goal, you've, you've achieved your aim. But the, the, uh, the, the keeper, the, the, the way the keeper let that in, let's say let it in, the way the keeper failed to make the save from the position he was in when the ball actually passed him was really summing up his game. He, their keeper should have done a lot better with it. It was a nice height for him. He got hands on it. Um, I didn't like so I didn't think Barris is up too confident stepped up to take it for the second one it's a different story as we'll come on to but I was I'm not going to say it was lucky that the, that the ball went in 
But I think a half-decent keeper would have saved it. Um, it wasn't the most confident of hits, but it went in, mate. And that's when we look at the record books in 10, 15, 20 years' time, all we're going to see is the fact that he scored it. So fair play to him. Yeah, and, and I want to come back to the referee just before we talk about the next goal as well. Um, because uh, by the time that we got into 65 minutes, this was five minutes after the penalty decision. Um, and one of these one of these yellow cards all have been quite telling because one of the players was going to get a second yellow and then ultimately be sent off. But by 65 minutes into the game, Tess, we were now on our fifth yellow card of the game. And I, I was I, I was looking back through the, the game and I was watching watching it this morning and I was looking through some of the stats because it got really card happy uh, for one card in the first half and we're now um, 20 minutes into the second and he's now produced another four cards on top of that. I just didn't feel like it was that kind of game, if I'm being honest. I think we're going to talk about the, the Barisic penalty in just a second, but at that stage in time, it didn't feel like a game with Hunters and Needle. I thought there was some physical challenges going in, but I also didn't think he was being consistent at all in terms of how he was deciding what was a caution and what wasn't. I think that this was the beginning of the referee starting to lose control of this. Yeah, I thought the re- the referee's performance was clearly in keeping with the rest of the match and that it was just something otherworldly. I thought uh, Delate or Delart, however you pronounce it, I thought he was lucky to stop on the pitch. I thought he was quite niggly. I thought Lukaku's brother, he, he was a bit, you know, he, he, he was giving it some as well. Uh, that Sec, which, which um, he was, he, like I say, he, he was putting it about and obviously he got his marching orders later on in the match. Yeah, but, and, a, a, nasty, a nasty one in Ryan, Ryan Kent's heels as well. Yeah. Just one of those, those, you know, a stud raker, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I mean, he, he he got booked for that, and rightly so. Maybe it should and could have been more. But no, I thought that I didn't think, other than those three players, you know, I didn't think it was a particularly dirty match. And I think the amount of cards shown, it was, there, there was a lot of bizarre things going on last night. And I think it's one of them where he'd shrug his shoulder and say, you know what, this is happening now. Whatever happens next, we don't know. Just take it in the, in, in the spirit of a game that nobody can predict because it's gone completely mental. Um, but no, I, I, I didn't. I didn't think the amount of yellow cards shown warranted by the by the way the game was going. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. Um, so, sixty-seven minutes is when I and take the lead again. Um, as I, I think I, I watched this a couple of times as I say this morning, Tess, and just rewatching it, it just seems to kind of come out of nowhere. But one thing that it, it certainly does have in, in correlation to the first. Uh, goal that we conceded is it's a shot which takes a wicked deflection. McGregor again rooted, it hits off the post and in. Um, and I suppose I'm kind of thinking as I'm watching the game back now with you know no nerves like they were last night, it kind of dawned on me that it's taken some very good shots to be able to try and beat Al McGregor. This is one that did take a wicked deflection and it cannons off the inside of his of his right hand post. Um, Antwerp are back in front now, and you're just thinking. You know what the hell are we having to do here in terms of being able to try and get our assertiveness kind of going? I suppose um, we hope. Well, we were hoping that we we're going to be able to try and hit back into that pretty quickly. Not long thereafter, uh, the keeper, the aforementioned keeper, with I, I would love to see his face mask test. It must be massive because his nose was absolutely huge. I don't want to point out deformities in people, but I mean, we're playing them next Thursday. I think his nose is arriving on Tuesday. That is absolutely the biggest nose I think I've ever seen in professional football. Yes, mate. It, it, it was quite the hooter, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> maybe it was fear of that that caused our players to give him so much space. Isn't it? <laughs> Granting the freedom of Antwerp to sit the ball where he wanted. Yeah, um, absolutely. When, when the goal went in last night, I, mean, I passed the comment to a uh, a certain young lady we both know with a, a fondness for Mr McGregor that he could have done better um, looking back on it he, he couldn't have done really it took a wicked deflection but the fact of the matter is he should not have had the time and space to get that shot away all, no, all three of their not. goals you can point to things that we did wrong uh, the equaliser for the header the marking was non-existent for the goal scorer which is something we can improve the penalty for them Yes, it was a soft penalty, but you know you met contact with an opposition player in the, in your penalty area. You 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 run in a very fine line. Uh, that's again something we can improve. The third goal, um, 
like I say, the, the guy's got he's, he's got he's got the freedom of the park to do whatever he wants. And it, this would happen again in injury time, which I'm sure we'll come on to. But the guy's got the freedom of the park to stick the ball wherever he wants. Now, if if the ball carries on in its not normal trajectory, it, pro- it probably ain't going in, but it just takes a little deflection. And when you shoot from distance, mate, that's what can happen. You know, that, 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 that's why we should perhaps do it more, because if, if you hit the ball with enough force and it takes a little nick, mate, it's going to go in. So three very, very disappointing goals to concede, very uncharacteristic of this season, this season's iteration of, of Stephen Gerrard's Rangers team. Um, McGregor couldn't really have done anything about it, so he's, he's exonerated of all blame. But it's it's something we need to look at, because again, later on in that match, we very nearly conceded an injury time equaliser through the same kind of thing. So I hope that when they watch the videos back today, tomorrow, whenever it might be, they pick up on that as something they got to do and start closing players around when they get to that D because if you give them the space to shoot, that's what's likely to happen, mate. Yeah, and, and with that, with 50 minutes left, the manager makes the, the, the kind of final move, which is uh, to bring on Ryan Jack in place of Scott Arfield. Scott Arfield, I thought, was, was, was pretty okay. Um, in terms of that point, and Glenn Kamara, again, not the same. I was a bit critical of Kamara last night. Maybe I was a little bit too harsh with him in the replays. I've watched it back again. But he was replaced by Yanis Hadjian. I think that this gave us the opportunity to be able to try and come in um, with a little bit of, kind of uh, solidity in terms of Brian Jack and with Yanis Hadjian being able to try and impress about it going forward with some pace as well. Um, we get to seven minutes shy of full-time test and... Um, I think that this Rangers team is capable of scoring some absolutely brilliant European goals, like real, real class European goals. Guys like I'm talking about with Yanis Hadji, Joe Rebo, etc. Tav, um, you know, when we're talking about Galatasaray and stuff as well, we can absolutely play it. This for me is right up there. And this is where, you know, Ryan Kent makes some, some brilliant movement forward, going into the box. A beautiful one-two with Alfie. Uh, as Morelos lays him back off again in terms of one-two, Kent just sticks the ball slightly ahead of himself to open up the space. Rifles a shot past, and with seven minutes to go, we're now at three-all. Um, I don't know if you were the same, James, but see, when I was watching this, I genuinely felt if we can equalise with maybe ten minutes-ish to go, we'll get a winner. Never at any point did I think, shit, let's just leave it at three-two and let's just get them back to Ibrox. I definitely knew that we would create another chance, and as soon as that Kent one went in, as I say, I just it felt so pleasing that given everything that's happened up to this point, a shit penalty uh, to, to, to concede uh, injuries to Ruth and Tavernier, it just felt that that goal itself was a big uh, statement of character from this team. So if you remember, just before the second half started, in the group chat last night, I goes, right, we're going to do this mob, 4-2. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was a goal out. But even when we went in, our, usually you can see just four half time, especially conceding two just four half time. You can see just four half time and it's the game plans out the window and the, the, the you know the team is conceded usually goes to pot a bit in the second half. But I was having seen what I'd seen, one of Rangers this season in general, and two of the way the first half had gone, I was confident we could come out and do the business. Um, Kent's goal, mate, what can you say? This time last year, so, well, February the 20th, but pretty much a year ago last night, we were all in Ibrox as, um, obviously, Georgie Hadji, sorry, <laughs> Georgie Hadji was there. He was sat in the director's box once. Yanis Hadji has done the business, but... I was thinking of Aribo's goal, you know, where he just twinkle-toed his way through and like stabbed it in to equalise yeah. for and Ibrox went berserk. Well, Kent's goal last night, I thought it was a bit like that in that the way that the, the, he, at every point of that move, he had complete control of the ball. We knew exactly what he was doing and where he was going. And when he executed the finish, mate, I bite it the ceiling. <laughs> I was making, jumping up and down, making quite a bit of noise, mate. We'd equalise, which is obviously buzzing for that. But the goal, it's, it's one of the best goals. I'd go as far as to say that I think the best goal he scored for us was the opener at Parkhead last season. I think that that's probably the second best goal he scored for Rangers, and I think that that's high praise indeed because he scored some crackers. It was it, it was you know that the his control, the the occasion, you know everything about it. It, it was just an absolutely fantastic goal, and I'm I'm so pleased for Kenty because the past couple of weeks he's not or the what the past ten games I suppose you could say he's not really been the Ryan Kent that we know he can be, and that's going to happen. Wingers aren't 
I mean, I think, I think the, the last winger we had who was consistent week in, week out was Brad Nardrup, and he was genuine world class, and that was over 25 years ago. So, you, you know, you're not going to get another one like that. He's also young and he's still learning his trade, so he's going to drift in and out sometimes. His form's going to be up and down. And I was so happy for him last night. Um, obviously, the goal that he scored, he won the penalty that won us the match as well. So I'm really, really happy for him because we are, especially in our roof site as well, there's going to be a bit more onus on the likes of Kent to create for us. Now one of our main creative and goal-scoring threats is out of the team. So I'm so happy for him that he got the goal. And, oh, mate, what, what a finish it was as well. What, what a strike. Yeah, and, and listen, it, it, you know, we don't want to repeat everything that we've kind of said in previous pods when we've discussed them. But the two things with this, I think, Tess, is the fact that we know that he's got unbelievable talent. Um, but the second thing is he always puts a lot of pressure on himself as well. He's got high standards of himself, and I totally get that. And that's how I want Rangers players to be, you know, understand it and stuff as well. He's maybe done it a little bit too much, where he's then he went into a little bit of a kind of detriment to himself, which isn't going to help him. But listen, do you know what? When, when that went in, I think, like you say, we've got, even if you think about some of the goals that we've scored across this team in, in Europe in the last few years, some absolute top quality goals. And um, again, like you say, one of, the, one of them to match it as well. Um, the next uh, incident within the game is uh, the aforementioned sec. Uh, then gets um, sent off for uh, for handling the ball. And probably now that VER has now become our friend, Ryan Kent takes a shot and it's 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 handled and I'll be honest with you I didn't even see this in real time Tess <laughs> I think I'm right in saying I've seen it a couple of times from different angles but I don't even think Ryan Kent thinks it is because it looks to me when he's hit the shot that he turns away and he's somewhat disappointed he hasn't done better with it but <laughs> then upon the VR review etc uh, we are correctly uh, by the rules of the game uh, we are correctly awarded the penalty and uh, Borna steps up again. Uh, a far, far better penalty this time, I thought. He absolutely smashes it. And I think a good bit of kind of exchange between him and the replacement keeper um, at this point as well. Um, looks like he's he's not happy with something that was said or done. I think he was kind of giving him a bit of a wind-up who's waiting for the penalty to be taken. Um, and there's there's I do want to give him a shout-out as well in terms of where this is because whilst we could maybe criticise the first penalty, as much as you can for a penalty that's converted. This one was an absolute cracker. I'd have no issues with them being able to try and take penalties going for, uh, forward if he can hit them, you know, to, to uh, you know, to, to that level. Um, but I was really, really pleased for a guy to step up in the 90th minute to be able to try and score that penalty. Uh, it takes some guts to be able to try and do that. Forget the fact there's a second leg and we're all confident and all the rest of it, but you're talking about 90 minutes and an absolute roller coaster of a game and you kind of know that this is going to be it. And he steps up and absolutely battles it. And I, I was so delighted for him. It was a complete contrast in my mind anyway to the first one. Because I, as I said before, when when he's when he's um before he's done his run up for the first penalty, I'm convinced he's missing it. He didn't look confident. The keeper got a bit on it anyway, like I say half decent keeper would have kept it out. The second one is different. As soon as he gets it and he's he's moving with purpose to put the ball down and take his straw, I thought this is going in. There's no way that he's gonna miss that. The bit, the bit of a ding dong with him and the goalie, me—that—that's what you'd expect to see. It, in a penalty situation, it boils down to there's only two people on the pitch. You know, there's the the, 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 other, the other twenty players don't matter. There's the guy taking the penalty and the guy who's trying to keep it out, and they will both do anything that they can to sort the other one out. I mean, I put the most famous ones are Liverpool and European Cup finals. Uh, Bruce Groblar in Rome in '84 and uh, Jersey Dudak in Istanbul in 2005. They're, they're antics and it worked. So, personally, although it was a bit bad that he was signed to do it to one of our players, a goalkeeper saying something or doing something to try and put the attacker off, it's, it's part of the psychological game. But if you're going to play them games, then you've got to expect to get it back when the ball goes past you, which is what Borna did. And I thought that was... It reminded me of when... Uh, it might have been... Um, I forget who it was that we played. It might have been Feyenoord. I can't remember. But when he's gone up... To, or or Leggy Leisure, Warsaw, actually. When he's gone up to their fans when taking a corner with his arms outspread, like, what? what are you it, was like yeah, it was Leisure. Yeah, it was Leisure. Yeah. And it's that, 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 that kind of, that kind of ballsy, gallus behaviour that I think we all love to see. Um, the, the order of the penalty itself, I didn't have a clue what was going on, mate, because even when... In real time, I didn't see anything. Obviously... Kent had the shot and the ball's gone the other way. I just assumed that he'd skewed the shot. It'd come off the outside of his boot or something. 
Um, then when it shows it again and it hits the geezer, then you can see it's hit him somewhere. But you also don't see Kent or anyone around him make any kind of appeal for the penalty. So I think Kent's just hit it and it's happened that quick. He's not knowing what's happened. And then when it obviously slows it down and shows it again, then yeah, it clearly was a handball and the decision was correct. So in that instance, yeah, VR did its job because I don't think anybody else on the pitch, certainly not Ryan Kent, who'd taken the shot, I don't think anybody else on the pitch had it down as a penalty. So, you know, for all I was sagging off VAR early on in the match, when that um, when that call came, well, the, both the calls for our penalties came around, I was thinking, yeah, perhaps it ain't so bad after all. No, absolutely, absolutely. And 4-3 finish, Tess, um, as, as I say, I think... Uh, Roller coaster, you know, is the word that you would use to be able to try and describe it. I think everyone's kind of had it in that kind of space as well. But one thing, or sorry, two things, I beg your pardon, that I want to touch on. Uh, I want to talk about an individual and I want to talk about it collectively. Collectively, I think that we showed some phenomenal resilience as a team to be able to to go through such a such a strange game. And I mean, a strange game in terms of how well we've been playing um, and, and, and how well we've done defensively. Uh, that even in a European stage to be able to try and get a game like that just would have felt so abnormal in normal circumstances. But because we've been playing so well domestically, we've conceded in that game last night, Tess, almost half the amount of goals that we've conceded domestically all season, which is why, again, like I say, it feels so strange to this. But the character of the team for me really shone through last night. And that's why they're going to end up being champions. I know that we're talking about two different things, but for me, that resilience is why we're continuing to push each other. We saw a great example of it happening on the pitch last night in 90 minutes. And I think that, like I say, that that is going to be a real hallmark of this team going forward in terms of not only winning titles, but also being able to try and push ourselves in this competition as far as we can get to. I'm very confident that we'll progress. Uh, but I don't believe that, like we said before, I just don't believe that anyone will want to come and play us. I really genuinely don't. We are, without doubt now, an established European team. I think the manner in which we won that match last night was more pleasing than had we turned up professional performance and won 1-0. And I'll quantify that by saying, uh, obviously losing Tav was, as I've said before, was was a really, really bitter, sickening blow. Really Huge blow. Losing Roof was pretty bad as well. Although the likes, I'm, I'm not convinced it was 100% fit to start with. Um, so if you take those out of the equation, uh, if we'd have gone there, put on an absolute consummate performance, um, kept them out at the back, scored an eight goal early goal, whatever, and just like, you know, shut up shop. You just said, yeah, job done, satisfied. But to obviously that the fields and spills up and down at each end, it, it's good for the neutral, but we aren't neutrals, we're Rangers fans, we, we don't care what neutrals like or think, you know what I mean? It's all about us. Um, the character that we showed having lost the captain and then one of the, and then one of the star strikers just before half-time, the character we showed conceding just before half-time to go in and not let it affect us, the character we showed coming back from behind twice Mate, that 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 performance last night was absolutely brilliant. I'd I'd go as far as to say that it is one of our best of the season. I think we will take more from that performance last night than we would have done any other result and any other circumstances because of the character that they showed. Yes, we conceded three goals, which for this team's unusual. But once again, this season in Europe away from home, we've gone and scored four. This is becoming a regular occurrence now. It's you know we 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 got three at Benfica. We put four past Willem Tway, four again last night. This is becoming a feature of our play, mate. In Europe, we're scoring some pretty... I think, was it our 20th goal in Europe, in, in Europe this season last um, last night? Up to 20 goals, which, which is fantastic. So, again, um, the, the, the defence wasn't as good as we were wanted it to be. We're all devastated over losing the two players, but the manner of the victory and the character and the mental strength they showed to come through and do the business, mate, I think we could all be buoyed by that. Yeah, absolutely. I'll take the positive out of conceding three goals because it gives us the emphasis to make sure that we we regroup in terms of where we're at defensively. And and, and again, like I say, it's so abnormal to concede so many goals, uh, especially for us, especially in one game. So, yeah, I think the the, the positive, the silver uh, lining on that particular cloud is that it revisits the focus on making sure that we start to tighten things up defensively. Now, the other thing that I wanted to mention as well, the test is, um, I need to give a, a shout out to an outstanding individual contribution from Alfredo Morelos last night. Um, that many cards, that many goals, and yet Alfredo 
wasn't on, on either of those lists. Somewhat surprising, but I, I don't think it's right to overlook how well he played last night in terms of that contribution to the team. We know that he's had that uh, he, that ban that he's not had been able to, to to try and play as much games domestically um, in the in the last couple of weeks, but. I thought he was absolutely superb last night, directly or indirectly involved in all of the goals. Uh, as you mentioned earlier on, that great touch to be able to try and set up a rebo, uh, being able to try and be just everywhere that he possibly could be within that and the um, the, the setup for the Kent goal as well. Just absolutely phenomenal. I know that he's, he's, he's faced some tough press and I've given him some criticism in here in the past as well, but I want to be completely fair to him. I thought he was phenomenal last night. I really, really do. I think last night was one of Alfie's best performances of Rangers. I think I've said, I said before that he, he the, the, the maturity that he showed last night, not getting involved in any foolishness. Um, okay, he didn't score, and there were a couple of chances where we could have done a bit more. But all four goals he had a hand in, mate, including you know, including winning, winning the penalty, the little touchback for Rebo to fire in, he, the, the wall pass with Kent for Kenty's solo strike. Every, every, you know, he, he played the ball through for Kenty for the for the. Um, the second penalty. Every every goal he's had a hand in. I thought he was brilliant, mate. He, he just went about his business under the radar for most of the time. Like I said, not getting involved in any of the any of the foolish events that were going on. And the amount of cards I got shown last night, mate, for him not to be one of them, like you say, it's it's quite amazing. So yeah, so he, he's probably my man of the match from last night. Either him or Balogun, because I thought Balogun came on in difficult circumstances in an unfamiliar position, and I thought he had a... At this level of of this level of football as well, you know, the, the, the knockout saves of European football, to come on in the circumstances he did and to give the performance he gave, I thought he was fantastic. But yeah, Alfie would have been my man of the match, mate. I thought he had a really, really good, composed and assured performance last night. Yeah, yeah, totally agree with that. Listen, Tess, um, we'll do a very quick preview of uh, the the upcoming game against uh, against the United uh, Ibrox on Sunday afternoon. The game, um, for anyone that doesn't know by this stage, uh, I'm pleased to tell you, is being sponsored by Heart and Hand. Um, and a huge thank you to all of our, our Patreons who are on our uh, Patreon site, patreon.com forward slash heart and hand, for anyone who'd like to, to jump on over and have a wee look and, and a wee listen. Um, really, really excited for this game kind of coming up, really because I really, really hate Dundee United test. I despise them as a club. Um, I kind of feel that we've got the opportunity to go out and give somebody a bit of a doing. So I'm very much looking forward to the idea of going and just properly expressing ourselves. I know that it'll be a, a bit of a rejig team uh, because of the roof injury. It looks likely from the manager's comments from the presser this morning that he's pretty comfortable with Leon Balligan playing it right back. He's played there before. Um, he did make mention, Tess, that we might uh, look a bit further afield to be able to try and bring in a replacement option. I uh, I don't know if that I don't know if I would stand by that if I'm being perfectly honest. And the reason being is because I think, like you say, Balogun did very very well last night, as you say. Um, but Dundee United uh, have been able to to put a bit of a kind of stop in the Livingston juggernaut, beating them three 0 last week. They'll be looking forward to being able to try and come to Ibrox to to prove something. Plus, they're chasing a top six place. So, whilst I'm hoping that we can put uh, a number of goals by them, it certainly won't be an easy prospect. Mate, I'm like you. I, I dislike Dundee United immensely. I was. I remember being at that um, 2014 or 2015 when we had them in the Scottish Cup semi-final at Ibrox because uh, they were Hamden. Yeah, it would have been 2014 because Hamden was getting done for the Commonwealth Games. Um, it was. I think you know they, they had they had all the broomy and I think they had a third of the govern that day. And you know that that I mean I didn't like them anyway, but you know that that day I've, I've developed a real hatred of them. So. If we're, if we're going to give anybody a good thrashing, mate, please let it be them on Sunday. Uh, there's no reason why it can't be. I will too mad and say right now that I would accept a 1-0 with no yellow cards or injuries, especially having lost two players to injury in the week and obviously the suspensions that we've had retrospectively uh, of late. So I would take 1-0 to Rangers, clean sheets, no yellow cards, no injuries, but there's absolutely no reason we can't give them a doing. Uh, Alfie's back from his suspension. If he plays on a Sunday like he did last night, then they won't be. Not most teams in Scotland can't live with him anyway. But if he plays like he did last night, and Kent plays like he did last night, they will not be able to live with us. If Hadji can find the form that he's shown in the last couple of weeks, 
mate, is going to destroy them. You know, I'm so go, going into that match. They're, they're in a bit of a downer. We, I'm really hoping last night has been the jolt in the arm that we needed because we'd been grinding results out, which is how you win championships, mate. Don't get me wrong. Grinding out, especially little 1-0 wins when you're not at the races, that's how you win leagues. Ain't you 5, you 6, you 7 and you 8 nils. It's grinding out those results, so they're all crucial. But having done that for the past couple of weeks, months maybe even, um, they had a bit of a shot in the arm last night. Obviously, it would have been a real adrenaline boost no matter what what else happens. So I'm hoping we can carry on the upward trajectory into Sunday and give Dundee United an absolute thrashing. If we have to go down your 1-0 route, can we make a compromise that if, and we hope it's it doesn't come true, but if they make it into the top six, the compromise then is test that once we've won the league, we can go out with no fear uh, and no trepidation and just go and absolutely batter them. Would that be would that be acceptable? That is a trade-off I would take, my friend, yes. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, listen, folks, uh, that'll be about it for us today. Um, thank you very much for joining us for Heart and Hand Extra for this week. David will be back with you uh, on Monday. Uh, as you mentioned before, you can always check out more uh, from Heart and Hand at our Patreon site, which is patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. Um, most important thing for me to do is to thank your executive producers in London, Mr. Mike Lee and Mr. Paul Miles. Uh, but even more important than that, a huge thank you to my guest today, Mr. James Tessie. Tess, it's always a, a privilege to have you on the show and stuff, and um, I love talking about Rangers with you. Yes, mate. Uh, enjoyable as always. Thank you for having me on, and get well soon to Tav and Kimar Roof. Absolutely, absolutely. That's us uh, for this week, folks. As I say, we're back with you on Monday. Uh, take care of each, uh, yourselves and each other. Let's look forward to another three points on Sunday, uh, and let's get a result for the Rangers. Thanks all. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.